0: Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on the donate button to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves.
1: It's time for the founders of chaos magic. If you've never heard of chaos magic before, that's okay. In today's episode, we're going to cover the big ideas that define the early days of the practice and a bit of the history. If you have heard of chaos magic before, but haven't attempted it, you might think that it's complicated. But if you're familiar with the practices of Pascal Beverly Randolph or Aleister Crowley, or even Helena Blavatsky, which longtime listeners should be by now, you'll find a lot in chaos magic that's familiar. I'll be exploring the early and influential texts of Peter Carroll and Ray Sherwin, founders of the Illuminates of Thanateros. Carroll and Sherwin are both members of the baby boom generation of the 1950s. Carroll's first book, Null, was published in 1978, the same year that Sherwin came out with his book of results. Together, these books began to establish what chaos magic meant and strives to be. They organized the Illuminates of Thanateros with a focus on practical occultism to put their ideas to work. Carroll described the Illuminates as heirs to Austin Osmond Bears' Zosky Occultus and Aleister Crowley's A.A. The blend of these two modernist schools of thought with postmodern philosophy and discordianism yielded one of the more influential occult movements of our modern era. Carroll said the order had no history but was the inheritor of an occult Illuminati tradition 7,000 years old. The name Thanateros is a combination of Eros and Thanatos, gods of sex and death, respectively. These are humanity's two greatest drives, and the sources of a positive and negative magical discovery, respectively, both explored by the IOT. There is no formal hierarchy, but members are stratified—students, initiates, adepts, and masters—and ascend according to the results they achieve. The question for us today is, what are those results? How do chaos magicians achieve them, and most importantly, why? My name is Rob C. Thompson. I am Doctor of Things, Occult, and Supreme Hierophant of our Alchemical Actors. I am joined by our Grand Master of the Order, Olivia Literal. Hello! Ready for this chaos and magic?
2: I love chaos and I love
0: magic, so just put them together.
1: We'll see what happens. We've got Savannah Varet as well, our sister of the 84th degree.
0: Hello. Also, do not forget that I am an expert on mechanical birds as well. I I feel like... Yes,
1: yes, and conspiracies related there too.
0: definitely. That's me.
1: (laughs) We the members... Of the, of the secret, secret order of order of actors, actors, actors. do solemnly, solemnly commit ourselves, ourselves to a
0: full to a and full honest, honest, honest telling of the of history, of the, history of, the of the occult as far as we, as
1: we, know, it. As we know it. All right then, uh, let's get into those plugs.
2: Plug, plug, plug!
1: Got a healthy crew of patrons to welcome to the team this day, the various kinds of teams. So we got the three tiers, we got the materializations, we got the planetary spirits, and another one that I can't remember. Anyhow, we want to welcome Chris and Stephanie, who we'll hear about uh, later in the episode as well. Stephanie with an F. Joe S. and Gareth O. Casey T., who is a welder.
2: Add them to the welding club.
1: (laughs) Yes, the welding club—subculture within a subculture within a subculture. Luis L. and uh, witches advocating never-ending dreams.
0: Oh, what? Okay, that's That's the whole name.
1: Yeah, so that's—it's actually an acronym uh, for wand. So the wand would be the acronym. You see that? Witches advocating never-ending dreams. Oh,
2: we don't know acronyms here.
1: (laughs) No, it's not really our thing. Uh, and we want to thank a few folks for pledge bumps. We've got Adriana P. Scarabones and Corey S. Already members of the team have given us the bump. We appreciate Woo. that. A couple things we want to say on Patreon because, uh, you know, we're starting to head into 2021. Not quite done this series, of course, but, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about the coming year and, and the finance, finances and what have you. Uh, we do have a, a growing team of folks. Uh, I, I am hoping to double the Patreon crew this year uh, just so we can continue to expand the work that we're doing and the offerings that we're making, both on the Patreon uh, where we're doing some new stuff. I'm doing a series on world religion. Savannah's joined me for that.
0: Oh, yeah. I get to judge world religions and it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like judge. they're figure skaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So well, Rob's Savannah trying and Jacob. To convert yeah. Me. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Savannah and Jacob are. Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm t- describing a world religion to them per month, and uh, at the end of each episode, they get to say how converted they are to that mm. religion. <laughs> yes. Uh And Olivia is also joining us on Patreon. Uh, Olivia has uh, most recently created the Bathory episodes for Patreon, but what's coming up this year, Olivia?
0: The
2: Bloody Benders.
1: Okay. So just you know quick thumbnail sketch Olivia and I debated what the meaning of thumbnail sketch was before
2: because we everyone started. from my generation is going to hear <laughs> thumbnail and think one thing in particular I promise I you. also thought YouTube yes so I right. was like oh. quick,
1: quick pinky finger sketch of what this what are the bloody benders
2: So the bloody benders were a family of 4 in like they started their uh quote reign of terror unquote in like 1871 i believe um, oh i
1: love that year that's a big year
2: oh yeah we're in some pioneer shit right here um,
1: yeah that's pb randolph that's oh the, yeah in the, kansas a we're in kansas yeah. though we're in some oh well no they're, freak... guys, they're not out there <laughs>
2: some country where <laughs> or some land where just shit's going crazy but um yeah so they a family of four it was a husband and a wife and then their son and their daughter, who also might have been married, um, like a common law marriage. So that's up for debate.
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
2: and but they gonna killed kill people, yeah. So they killed at least a dozen people. Um, wow. confirmed, yeah. And it's a little Jesus. like some Sweeney Todd things kind of going on, not so much eating people, but um. I don't want to give it away but okay all right well Giving that's enough shaves? yeah <laughs> oh,
0: um no so they sh- had, are they barbering they had a, um, <laughs> so basically they <laughs> so had like a... shaving people and eating them so no. I just... <laughs> they had like they a breaking rest... into song no they had a rest <laughs> okay. okay oh god i'm sorry I'm
2: it's totally okay go this. ahead go ahead
1: olivia say the thing
2: no it's should i even should we just save it Yeah. Do,
1: are they yeah oh it's fine fine don't say it see you only get to find it's a out
2: roadside stop they had a general store uh, okay. and a
1: uh, roadside and store, a okay.
2: Hotel, but also so
1: a. So H. H. Holmes has got some of that going on too, with the hotel and.
2: Um no, it's oh. not like him at all. <laughs> not like
1: that, okay. I thought you meant like luring in travelers.
2: Um, so it's very different. <laughs>
1: okay, all right, all right. That's it. That's it. You got to join Patreon. Olivia's and working Ingalls on Wilder this Laura Ingalls Wilder is now.
2: involved. That's my that's my big like hook, line, and sinker. Is even Laura Ingalls Wilder gets involved
1: not making any promises about when olivia will be done researching (laughs) this complex story but when she is we will be posting it to patreon but the religions we uh, will will be starting this month so let's close up those plugs
2: plug plug plug
1: the magic of the illuminates of thanateros is based on two principles and theoretically only two principles one altered states of consciousness unlock magical abilities and two These abilities can be developed without any symbolic system. So far so good?
2: Yes,
0: sure.
1: There is theoretically a lot of space to experiment and innovate within and beyond these principles, insofar as the chaos magician is not meant to adhere to any sort of fixed system or philosophy. Sherwin argues against gurus and dogmas. When asked, what do you believe? The magician, speaking from the central stillness of himself, should be able to reply, in all honesty, I believe nothing. With a blank slate at his disposal, the magician can then adopt and discard beliefs as he sees fit. Both Carol and Sherwin devote much of their writing to practical guidelines for a cult ritual. Sherwin lists off a bunch of familiar techniques for sensory deprivation or excitation as openings onto an altered state, an experience that Carol calls gnosis drumming chanting mirror gazing and breath meditation are already examples you two have any 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 more you can toss in for entering an altered state of consciousness
0: i was just gonna say there's a couple of things i can think of but not all of them are legal <laughs> <laughs> i don't think sherwin and carl split hairs or about or that. What are we... um, <laughs> i don't know i mean Mescal? am i thinking in the wrong vein of like people like Doing drugs and stuff like that—I mean, it alters your conscious and stuff like that. But is it not the same thing?
1: Uh, these guys don't go there so much, but it, I think it's definitely an option, especially in occult practice.
0: I guess it's mm-hmm. less of a trance if you're on
2: drugs. Though. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, you're less trance like, yeah, you're on a trip. I would argue that Savannah um, enters a trance anytime she's playing video games until 4 a.m. Just like (laughs) running on. Yeah, just (laughs) muscle memory, just going. (laughs) I
0: think that's like a trance. Yeah, honestly, it's really weird. Like, when I get super. I do enter this like tranciness state where I'm not even realizing what I'm doing. In a video game, and it actually worked for me last night. I beat mm-hmm. the f- out of Hades last night, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> so and, love that. I, it was really mm. hard, but yeah, like I just like kind of zone out, and my hands take over, and like, and then I was like, oh, I won! Woohoo! A little trance
1: gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can identify as well. Yeah, when you when you get out of your own way, things can flow. I mean, that's even true when I'm writing an episode. When I stop. Mm-hmm you know, trying so hard, thinking so hard about it, then sometimes what I'm trying to say comes clearer to me. Or when I step away, right, I go shower or something and come back, take Mm -hmm. that ritual bath, whatever. But sit, I don't do that. I don't take ritual baths, but you know, all of our, all of our (laughs) cult friends who do, I'm not against it. I We're not having a bath argument again, are we? Not going to get back into the baths. No. Anyway. (laughs) I
0: wasn't even going to question it. Like, yeah, ritual bath, sure. (laughs) You want to
1: picture me in the ritual bath? That's fine. Do what you got to do. But Uh I'm not going to stop it. I'm not going to stop you.
2: Patreon plug. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Continue. What?
1: What? Okay. Going to leave that where it is. Okay, so Sherwin says, the individual should experiment with as many techniques as he or she can find or invent in order to immediately discard those which are obviously not suitable. So if Savannah can enter an adequate trance state gaming, then in theory... (laughs) that's what she should be doing you got to use what works mm-hmm. for you
0: oh yeah all the video games then <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sure chaos rob magicians are Mom, screaming rob at us
0: Enabling. Right. To. <laughs> yes. yeah. rob told me that in order to do chaos magic i have to play video games nonstop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah that's a good reason for anything <laughs> Carol is a bit more prescriptive, but only a bit. Carol's method is a basic mindfulness meditation. Practitioners remain still, they breathe in a controlled fashion, and they attempt to clear their minds completely. The practitioner fixes their attention on a meaningless object with an hours-long stare having no particular intention. Moving from meaningless to meaningful objects, the practitioner will learn to discover occult secrets in time. Similarly, the practitioner can focus attention on a single sound in an effort to develop spells. I love that. Finally, the practitioner can focus on an image projected onto the mind's eye, which is the root for creating sigils. But let's not get hung up on sigils just yet. Save that thought for just a moment and we'll come right back to it. All right, can you wait? I guess practitioners (laughs) reluctantly (laughs) practitioners learn to shape their own affective response through laughter and non-attachment the capacity to laugh at all things no matter whether actually funny neutral or horrific opens the door to detachment so you got to be able to laugh at literally everything even like an episode of friends
0: oh oh no Sorry Hars- to all the, on the viewers out yeah, there. Yeah, whatever.
1: I mean, I'm good luck to I'm Always
0: Sunny elitist, so. <laughs> I didn't even know Friends was, like, competing with Always Sunny. <laughs> no, that
1: doesn't seem like they're in the same arena. So.
0: You know, I feel like they might think it is, but it's not.
1: <laughs> Another way to cultivate this attitude is to drop habits and adopt habits at random without any intended consequences. So you, like, smoke for a day. And then never again.
2: These are things my therapist would be what? concerned about. If I just <laughs> like started doing this, she'd be like, you're not okay.
1: <laughs> I'm a sex addict today. I had sex with 15 people and now I'm celibate. Yeah. It's sort yeah. Of, well, <laughs> sort
0: I feel like there aren't going. enough habits in the world to sustain oh, that shit. kind of chaoticness. There's a Maybe lot of habits. I, I could, guess uh, that's fair.
1: You could chew on pen caps. You could... Uh, oh, Lick could pens, put you on anything. You could... <laughs>
0: really? So, are you just using the day as an example, or is it literally like just for a day? Or it can't just be for like a week or something?
1: Well, you you have to be able to drop it and pick it up at random. Yeah, you have to. you be able to just oh, totally quit. So,
0: so it you... isn't even like so. You're just using the day as an example, but they could do it for like an hour, and they'd be like, "Fuck it, I'm done."
1: Yeah, you could pee in the shower for months, and then just never again. <laughs> okay.
0: okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> You know, there's a whole world of possibilities I'm not even thinking
1: of. Yeah, as long as it's randomized, it's all good. And, and in all this, I and mean, I'm talking about being randomized and talking about laughing at everything, and having a sense of humor, we can feel echoes of discordianism. The ability not to hold anything too sacred or take anything too seriously is a step further than the chaos magician's refusal to accept any gurus or dogmas. This is just bringing it to the next level. Chaos magicians are, like the Discordians, inspired by Eastern traditions. The notion of detachment is distinctly Buddhist, and laughing at reality in an effort to distance yourself from it and see through it feels like a lesson straight out of the Principia Discordia.
3: It is a mistake to consider any belief more liberated than another. It is the possibility of change which is important. Every new form of liberation is destined to eventually become another form of enslavement for most of its adherents. Liberating behavior is that which increases possibilities for future action. Those who self-righteously value their own contradictions are mighty on this earth. Acceptance and living without restraint I will call the highest virtue.
1: To liberate yourself, destroy things sacred to you. Put a brick through your TV, or perform an act that would otherwise repulse you. So yeah, Savannah, you gotta toss that video game machine right out the window.
0: Bust oh, but how am I supposed to get into my trance state <laughs> if I don't have my Switch? Uh, I guess I could destroy my Xbox.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, things sacred to you, right? So you would have to, like, pick up, you know, tweeting misogynist things, Savannah. Shit. Yeah. Olivia, you would have to shave your armpits. Uh, Look <laughs> that, man. <laughs> I would have to start eating I don't know, beef and no, stuff. No, like
2: Twinkies. American cheese. Like straight up, like, <laughs> yeah, like craft American cheese. A
1: beef and Twinkie sandwich with, with American cheese. Mm. Oh, yeah, so
0: good.
1: so do things that would repulse us.
0: so So in order to do Chaos Magic, they're saying that you have to live like this all the time. Like you can't live a normal life some of the time and then do this some of the other time.
1: Well, I think in theory, Savannah, like if you break the sacred thing, you know, break the sacred principle, then you've done it and you can move on. You don't have to like be constantly eating Twinkie beef things and shaving your armpits and breaking your machines. So
0: this isn't necessarily a lifestyle. It's just a way to break into this thing.
1: Yeah, you got to break on in. You got to liberate yourself from your sacred cows.
0: Okay, well, I'll break my Xbox and then after I break them through, I'll go (laughs) buy
1: I feel like you're subverting the system there, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> unearth the darker sides of human nature and seek to satisfy your bodily impulse for transcendence to become one with something greater. Commit yourself to anathemism. Quoted, uh, the, the definition of that is, examine everything you believe, every preference and every opinion and cut it down. The only clear view from the top to, of the mountain Uh, of your dead selves so you have a mountain of dead selves that you climb up and you look down on all the wreckage that you've created of your personalities
0: that's a really cool image honestly yeah
1: (laughs) yeah pretty pretty metal Mm -hmm. chaos magicians are interested in what as a performance scholar i would call flow f-l-o-w flow the flow experience only when something is done for its own sake without what they call lust of result which is actually an Alistair Crowley idea, is it possible to execute magical acts? Lust of result is a desire for a specific reward. The magician has to be guided by a desire to do the ritual for its own sake. This isn't at all unusual. The same can be said for successful artists, athletes, and even podcasters. We can't be caught up in the result if we're going to be enjoying doing the thing in the moment we don't can't want something specific out of it. You see what i mean? Yes. So, let's do the podcast as an example. When you start a podcast to make money or create a brand or become an influencer or whatever other nonsense you want to bring into it, the result is almost always a mediocre product even if you succeed at, you know, that particular goal. <sighs> I'm gonna go ahead and let myself, you know, riff on this just a, t- a bit because I spend a lot of time listening to different podcasts. Some I get into, some I don't. I hear things that get me a little annoyed when I listen to some podcasts. I mean, there's a very famous podcast most recently, Olivia and I had talked about uh, privately that it was all about sort of creating influencer, right, status. Mm. Boosting influencer status, and it flamed out spectacularly during the uh, the COVID lockdown. Right. I also hear like a newer podcast or younger podcasts, podcasts even that are you know sort of like our size or a little bit smaller, where all the hosts talk about is how they're trying to do this for a living. Well, who says that you can? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you know, you Valid. we've heard this. Yeah, who says you can do that? Either you, you know, make X amount of money doing it or you don't, but that should never be why you're doing it. Because what's that going to do to your show, right? Like, are you going to be podcasting about what you're passionate about? Or are you going to try to guess what will get the most people to listen to you so that you can make more money so that you can quit your day job? Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, preach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) People go hard and flame out or even overestimate how fascinating their lives and opinions are or publish out into the void without attracting any audience whatsoever. This is the last thing that I see in podcasting that makes me frankly sad is podcasters who aren't even paying attention if anyone is listening to them. If you have any audience at all, right? If you have 15 people who listen to you every week, I say go for it. Like if it gives you joy, don't stop. But if you are for no reason podcasting and zero people are listening and the reason that's happening is because you're not connecting with anyone. The reason that's happening is because you're not talking about something you're passionate about. I mean, seriously, there is no passion in the work that you're doing. If nobody's interested. The the, the, the work that we do, like the, the, the podcasting is this wide world of like every freaking thing has a podcast. Mm. But the ones that are doing well, in my opinion, mean, what it means to do well is there's a community of people who say, yeah, you care about this thing as much as I do, and you're willing to give your time and love and energy to it. You, you know what I mean?
2: No, no, I think especially, I was just going to say, during this past year, I think it's become more evident. I don't know if you said this, but just like either, I think on both sides of what you're saying, like have become more prevalent, but...
1: People, it's obvious that there are people who are passionate and obviously people who aren't, right?
2: Yeah, like this is really, I think, right now, testing people, not just in arts, but in like, you know, something like podcasting where, even with us, yeah. you know?
1: For sure, yeah. Well, yeah, we've sort of called the alchemical actors a bit. We had a bigger group, and now it's just the people who are really into it, who have survived with us through uh, COVID. Yeah. I mean, they're all alive, all the alchemical actors <laughs> are alive. They all are uh, okay.
0: They yeah, <laughs> haven't held the, the hostage anywhere. anywhere.
1: Yeah. It's people who really wanted to keep at it are the ones who are still in the crew. I mean, this is what the chaos magicians are teaching us here is that you have to be in it for its own sake. You have to be in it for the love of it, not because you think you're awesome and you deserve an audience or you deserve money or you deserve fame.
2: Especially when life goes back, like, to, quote, normal, unquote. Right. Like, that's really going to be the test of, like, you know, the podcast that started this past year. Are they going to still go or yeah are they gonna stop when people can go outside again
1: <laughs> right yeah Our i think our, our our community will take us with them outside and we look forward to joining you for your outside activities
2: they're taking <laughs> us all over the countries yeah. and all in over your the car world. Or whatever you're up to with their bathtub yeah. welding
1: <laughs> a, a good right don't weld in your bathtub a good oh, chaos God, magician no. <laughs> A good chaos magician doesn't ritualize in order to astrally project or attract wealth or power. So that's thinking about this now from the chaos magic side. If you're trying to get that particular result, the lust of result, I want this. I want to have a really hot girlfriend. I want to have a million dollars. I want to astrally project. I want to levitate. If that's why you're doing it, then you're not doing it properly and you're not going to grow and develop through the process. You have to do it for the love of the rituals themselves. This is where sigils come into play and the revival of a segment we haven't heard in a little while here on the podcast. I'm speaking of the words you may have been wondering about.
2: Oh, we dropped her a while ago. Remember that? She's back. Yeah,
1: she's back. Well, that's, <laughs> oh, how, yeah. we, that's how we roll here. We—we we, Our segments come and go at we random. S-
2: we send them on <laughs> vacation pretty frequently. Yes.
1: But they're always there. They're always yeah. on the bench. They're always waiting to be called back into the into the game. <laughs> And today's word is... Sigil.
2: Oh, that makes a lot of sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, in the Western occult tradition, sigils are symbolic representations of supernatural beings, or, in the case of chaos magic, the magician's desires. There are all sorts of methods used to create a sigil, including drawing names on a grid of numbers, using numerology, or, as Austin Osman Spares suggested, combining letters in a glyph, sort of like the combination of Chinese characters, to form certain words. Letters are repositioned and shifted around until they make a shape that the magician likes. But sigils are not unique to Western occultism. In Indian tantric practice, elaborate yantra symbols are used as a guide to meditation. And in Haitian voodoo, the loa are assigned their own veve. The veve is a complex symbol drawn on the floor with some form of powder during a ritual in order to help draw the loa or spirit into the space. The veve often suggests attributes of the loa. Baron Samdi's veve includes a coffin, Mama Brigitte's a heart, Damballa, a snake, Papa Legba, a crossroads. Olivia, you have sigilized, yes?
2: Yeah, I would never in a million years call myself a chaos magician at all, but I like... So what
1: does your sigil practice look like?
2: Um, so when I... It's been a while, um... Because I think I mentioned this on a different episode for this, but I I don't know I got scared and thought that I was like fucking shit up, so I stopped.
1: But you, um, you dabbled a bit in the chaos magic.
2: Yeah, but so when I would do it, um, I think it's kind of like what you were saying—the one way you were describing. I think, where with the letters. Yeah, and then kind of combining them to make some kind of, you know, symbol or sigil. But um, so I so the way that I would do it. Um, I was told that it's, like, really important how you word what you want to be in existence. Like, uh, I heard you were supposed to word it as if it already is a thing, like, that's happening. But then – so you would, like, come up with some phrase to, like, uh, say that. And then, like, a short phrase – and then I believe what you do is you take out the vowels so that there's only consonants left. And then you basically just, like, go through and you start kind of just, like, taking the lines of the letters and uh, eventually you kind of just start putting them together until they're they're not really letters anymore. They're just, like, lines and, like, pieces of letters. And then you put them together and you just keep doing this over and over until you come up with, like, a sigil that feels, like, right. But I, the key part of that is... By the time you're at that point, it's no longer – it is just a sigil. Like, it is no longer what you were trying to get done. Like, you're supposed to separate it. Like, I think that's why the process of, like, making a phrase into just – uh, a sigil that was very long-winded i'm sorry
1: <laughs> no I, I think that was good it gets a more of the practitioner's standpoint on it
2: I, well the way you worded it i think is the better version of <laughs> explaining what i just said It's how you but... actually
1: did it though i mean it's, it, it gives folks a sense of what you actually do to make it happen
2: yeah but by no means like that could be totally the chaos magicians might be like you're f-ing up man so
1: yeah i'm sure there's a lot of approaches mm-hmm Well, that's the word you may have been wondering about. Conscious desire causes the mind to become anxious of failure, which precipitates failure to obtain the desire. And sigils are a way to concentrate a desire, forget the desire, and then work subconsciously to achieve it, yielding positive results. Sigils are created by forming a symbol derived from but significantly different than the original desire. For example, as Olivia mentioned, spell out your desire, cross out all the letters that repeat, and combine the remaining letters in a symbol. Mm. Then the sigil is—I mean, the, the crossing out—you can cross out different kinds of letters, right? But that's no, yeah, one that's way to the
2: same thing. I'm saying totally, yeah.
1: The sigil is charged with its intent when it when its intent is purposefully forgotten in a moment of intense emotion or orgasm or through a constant dulling repetition, and then banished through laughter. Got See, me. The-
2: Banish through laughter thing is totally like new to me. Like I'd never heard that part. But also when I was like would read stuff, I think it was really up for debate on how to like banish a sigil or like what to do when you're done with it.
1: Well then I wanna you know, the caveat to all of this is that while this is Carolyn Sherwin's ideas from right. the late seventies, Chaos Magicians you know, Chaos Magic is not exactly like they were doing it back then. Things have changed.
2: But the laughter makes sense in
0: yeah. their context.
1: They're all about the laughter.
0: What is the sigil used for?
1: The, basically anything you want. Oh. When a traumatic event is stored in the unconscious, Sherwin borrows the term engram from Dianetics to define it. That's right, Scientology.
2: Elron, Good old Elrond.
1: Good old Elron, good, good old El-Ron. <laughs> Kicking around in chaos magic. I, I think Elron was regarded... Um, Generally better regarded in the 70s by occulty types, particularly since he hung out with, um, what's-his-face, Parsons and... Sci-fi
2: uh, writers.
1: Yeah, right. Anyhow, <laughs> today, less cool. But anyhow, uh, a, yeah. should, a sigil, I That's guess it debatable. depends on who you talk to. right? Tom but Cruise would
2: to. argue, but, you know.
1: <laughs> Tom Cruise still thinks he's pretty cool. So, yeah, certain corners of the world, certain parts of California, still pretty cool a sigil is the creative uh, or positive force which is similarly stored away and forgotten in the subconscious a sigil says sherwin is a picture a glyph which is at once simple to visualize and representative of a particular or general desire they should be original creations and not borrowed from other sources so that's a little bit more savannah on the the basics there Chaos magicians believe, as do our alchemical actors, that the subconscious has a unique power. I can go all the way back to F.W.H. Myers, who made this same argument more than a hundred years ago when he coined the term subconscious. Myers believed that the subconscious was capable of remarkable feats of genius and psychic power, which the conscious mind could access through a porous boundary separating one from the other. Similarly, moving to the 1970s, Carroll believes that the subconscious is the locus of the magician's power. One method of divination he promotes involves the tarot deck. Tarot, tarot, tarot. Here we go. Yeah. This is a a tough one. This is worse than Crowley, I think, as far as pronunciation is concerned.
2: Especially, like, when you're, like, a new little baby witch on the scene, and you see that word, and everyone just yells at you that it's pronounced differently.
1: (laughs) Tarot, tarot, tarot. Yeah, it's... You got all kinds of options there. The magician, so anyway, I guess this is, are we giving folks permission, Olivia, to pronounce it as they will?
2: I mean, I, yeah, tarot, right? Is that the most accepted? Tarot, I
1: think, is the most common. I think if you go with tarot, I would would draw the line at tarot. I'm sure
2: it depends on the country (laughs) you're living in, too. I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. I heard tarot. Is it a French word? What is the word? Tarot. It is fr- uh, French, it, yeah. It's French. It
2: originates in French, like
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. So I believe that the t- the, the last T would be silent. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, who? Uh, anyway. We're, yeah. We're not <laughs> here on a call confessions. We certainly do not ascribe or, or commit to any pronunciations, nor will we.
2: <laughs> say it how you any, want. Yeah. We don't care. Say it how
1: you want. Yeah. We're here. We're here to give you permission to say it how you please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we get
1: it the magician must first look through the deck and then lightly shuffle it before creating any kind of spread. So you first look through the deck and then you shuffle it lightly though. Place the cards... Okay, so looking at it places the cards in your subconscious and lightly shuffling it assures that the subconscious has some awareness of where the cards are to be selected. If you fail to look first at all the cards or you shuffle too heavily... Then your result becomes completely random, which then has no reflection on your subconscious life. You got me?
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: So it's it's between the looking at the cards and then sort of like it's in the back of your mind. It's in your subconscious where the cards actually are in the deck and then lightly shuffling with the muscle memory that your subconscious is the one picking the card rather than your conscious mind. Because your conscious mind can't keep up with all that. But you don't want it to be random. So you don't want to go too hardcore by you're just randomly picking the card. Dreaming is the easiest way to access our double, another preoccupation of Carol's that he shares with Myers. The magician takes a or makes a silent mental request to see his double's hands during the dream. So by double, I mean your dream double. So before you go to sleep, you make the request that you're going to see your double's hands. Over a long duration, the magician works to see the double's hands until one day you do. Then the magician sends the double to a familiar location and eventually works up to be able to send the double anywhere at any time. Now, I want to talk about this with you guys in a second, but let me just get to the connection with Myers. Myers, uh, go, again, turn to the century co-wrote a lengthy volume on Apparitions of the Living, which was his term for astral or spiritual doubles. Many of Meyer's accounts of these doubles are of people at the brink of death who project their spirits across great distances to communicate with a loved one before they pass on. Carroll also observes, now in the 1970s, that doubles are commonly seen close to death. Carroll says that they may or may not resemble the person's body and can take on other forms, mostly animal which gets to a bit of like shamanic tradition, right? Shamans sending their spirit out in an other form or in an animal form. The chaos magician's double can be used to inflict harm in occult martial arts or channeled to effect healing through the healer's hands. So you send your astral spirit out to engage with others. All right. Now, Olivia, you and I had talked about this a bit. This unicult that you speak of,
2: Yes, the Unicult that I speak of.
1: There, There's some dream double action going on there? Is that true?
2: Uh, yeah, and so much that... Uh, so Unicult, who is the, essentially the leader...
1: Unicult.
2: Unicult. So I, I believe her name used to be Nicole...
1: <laughs> now but it's Unicole.
2: It's, it's Unicole, and then her last name is now Unisomething. I, I don't remember. Oh, but um, it just he, used
1: to be like Smith,
2: uh, something. I can't remember, but um, so she essentially has said that she has a dream double, like a dream doppelganger, however you want to word it. Her dream self, who <laughs> has been in a long term relationship with Elon Musk's dream self, not Elon Musk, so like. Through being, like, in a relationship with Elon Musk's dream self, her dream self being in a relationship with his dream self, I mean, she, like, knows, she says all this personal shit about him, which to me, I'm like, if I'm Grimes, I'm pissed because we're having a baby with a crazy name. His dream self should be sitting in Taking dream bed baby. at home yeah. talking, <laughs> yeah. You want to name getting that kid AX1255, whatever the hell, then you better be staying home, your dream self, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so essentially, uh, she says that this is a thing. So that's when you were talking about that, like that—that's before you know when we were talking about it. That's what I kept thinking about. So I wonder if she—I mean, I'm sure you know she's she's got influences from everything in her. She's drawn
1: on chaos magic in this. Yeah,
2: well, and it makes sense because um, she—I mean, I don't want to get crazy into it. Uh, Especially if we end up doing something on her, but she basically she decided um, because she struggled from mental health like her whole life, and then she had a suicide attempt, and then after that she basically decided like I'm just gonna put into effect like what I want to be, which is what you're saying, just without the chaos magic part. So like her whole, pretty much the whole basis of Unicult is the idea of belief makes into existence things are true because you believe them that's what makes them true so like she calls herself um yeah so she calls herself a pop like idol basically and her her followers agree that she is a pop star when she is not a pop star but she is because they all believe she is so it's the Mm. same basically but different
1: yeah conjuring a thing into being via belief i mean it's something we play with on dark pool as well in different contexts but Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Uh, So as Olivia's pointing out, I think with you, Nicole, (laughs) your your astral double can interact with others. We actually heard this in our very first couple of episodes with Emma Harding, Britain, the story of the Chevalier. There's the uh, bad woman or evil woman who sends her spirit to spy on him and do weird Mm -hmm. things to him. Uh, So this is this notion of astrally projecting is pretty old. It's pretty ancient. Well, not ancient. No, I, well, I don't know. Maybe. I can't, I can't speak to that, but it's old. It goes back at least to the 19th century and, and perhaps earlier that you can project your astral self. But it's to heal or ha- or help. Uh, heal or, or hurt, sorry. Heal or harm. So you can do these occult mar- martial arts where you're hurting somebody astrally or you can, you know, project healing through your astral self. And, and that what gets does that... us... What is that? I'm
0: sorry. What does that harm look like? Like... So if you harm somebody's astral spirit, yeah. I know it probably wouldn't show up as like a physical hurt. But like, does What's that I, hurt the? Yeah. Yeah, like, would the person have like a really? Oh, this is gonna sound stupid, but I like a really bad headache or something like that.
1: What's your take, Olivia? It sounds like you got an idea.
0: No, I was just saying, like, what does it consist of? Is like. Oh, I, you I
1: agree? Guess it's a good your, question. Yeah. Oh, my take is that it would be a psychic wound. Um, so there might be emotional consequences, um, or there might oh, be spiritual consequences. That like kind the of psychic thing.
2: vampire,
1: kind of yeah, thing. that sort of idea.
2: Yeah, just kind of sucking. Okay,
1: it's my your... take anyway. But yeah, you know, we invite the chaos magicians as always. Anyone to write in and give us some ideas. Hmm. Uh, so the references to healing and harm uh, lead us to a conversation about white magic and black magic. So let's get into white magic, black magic, and chaos. Carroll, in true 20th century occultist fashion, does not define these in terms of good and evil. Rather, he develops a version of the pair that sounds more like Michael Aquino's view of black magic as focused on the
3: self. White magic leans more towards the acquisition of wisdom and a general feeling of faith in the universe. The black form is concerned more with the acquisition of power and is reflective of a basic faith in oneself. The so-called middle way, or path of knowledge, consisting of an acquisition of second-hand ideas, is an excuse to do neither and leads nowhere.
1: So much for the podcast. But not really. Carol is actually tapping into a long tradition that spans cultures. In Ecclesiastes, traditionally attributed to Solomon, the author writes, "...for in much wisdom is much sorrow, and he that increaseth wisdom increaseth sorrow." And the Taoists, who inspired the Discordians, argued that academic learning was a completely ineffective means of discovering the way. So, Carroll is clearly very literate himself, and his reading of various occultists, including Crowley, Spare, the Discordians, and the Gnostics, is evident. What Carroll is saying is, study in and of itself is not enough to constitute a path. A path involves work. To borrow from Blavatsky, the soul must be developed through effort. That effort is not reading, but doing ritualizing for a chaos magician this is at least in part why i launched our second podcast for the alchemical actors which is our dark pool project so that we could spend time not only learning but doing and sharing that action with our community gotta keep doing stuff you see yeah so it's not that study's bad it's that you know, you're not going to get the secret through study. Knowledge in and of itself is not going to be the path. You have to also be practicing and exercising the spirit. As for Carol's definitions of white and black magic, I don't necessarily disagree, but Carol's own theory reveals the degree to which it is difficult, if not impossible, to easily separate a self-focused from a universe-focused practice. Black magic being self-focused, white magic universe-focused. Although Carol's practice gives a great deal of focus to the development of the self, the end goal is a kind of dissolution into chaos. The self is identified after spare as kia, the unity of the will and perception, the eye of self-awareness. Chaos is the force which adds increasing complexity to the universe by spawning structures which were not inherent in its component parts, most concentratedly manifest in the human life force. So adds increasing complexity to the universe. So chaos is just constantly spinning out more complex forms of being. The Agoides is the avatar of Kia on earth, the true will of the magician. So you've got your, you know, self spiritual Kia, and then you've got the Agoides as the sort of temporal version of that. Discovering the Agoides or genius is a matter of stripping away excess to reveal the God within. While the realization of pure Kia is a kind of elevation or apotheosis of the self, it's also a dissolution of personality. Carol says that among the titles of Kia is Anon. Anon freely transmogrifies its arbitrary personality, refusing any identity defined by its environment. Anon for anonymous, not related to any cues.
0: Mm. Yes, we stay away from those cues.
1: Yeah, I don't think he would have used those terms now, right? <laughs> so they, they've sort of appropriated that whole Anon thing. That came out of the Chans, though, right? The Chan community they they're everyone's in the non in the chans isn't that true
0: i i don't really know uh as far as i know it seems like 4chan turned into q anon but i'm probably totally <laughs> wrong i don't get into that scene yeah but I, QAnon I, is, especially recently with the news and stuff like that has been showing up more and more so yeah
1: they've actually been pushed to 8chan and 8 coon since 8chan <laughs> was deleted anyway that's not that's neither here nor there so this is the language uh, of how he's talking about this. He talks about Kia. He talks about uh, the Algoides. He talks about Anon, anonymizing yourself, becoming anonymous, freely transmogrified.
2: I feel much cooler for driving a Kia now. <laughs> a
1: That's Chaos Magic sure. vehicle.
2: <laughs> yep. Get on gas. Get on Chaos Magic. <laughs> good. Kia. That is the Chaos <laughs> Magic. Yeah. I just did a whole commercial. Wow. <laughs>
1: if the If your mileage is good... It's because we've ritualized. <laughs> Finger guns and commercial. Uh, so Kia's goal, other than gas mileage, is to unite with chaos.
2: <laughs> it's also an extremely safe vehicle. <laughs> you want to add that
1: to us? Safety, yeah, safety and okay. gas mileage. <laughs> Kia unites with chaos to create magic through the manipulation of ether, and ether is the infinitely mutable vehicle for thought empowered by Kia. Let me say that again. Kia unites with chaos to create magic. So you got to dissolve yourself into, yourself needs to dissolve into the chaos to create magic. And the magic is the manipulation of ether, which is the infinitely mutable vehicle for thought empowered by Kia. So your thoughts, when you become immersed in the chaos, your thoughts take on a magical power of shaping things. You got me?
0: Yes, I think so.
1: Much of the chaos magician's work is centered around evocation, the summoning or creation of partial supernatural beings to accomplish some purpose. These are semi-independent beings who function separately of the magician in order to achieve the magician's aim until the being's life force dissipates. So you create this thing, then it lasts for a while, and then eventually it peters out because it's living off of your energy. These entities may be discovered clairvoyantly, chosen from a grimoire, or created by the magician using a sigil based on the elements desired in the entity. So you got a few options there. I guess you could sort of like pick a familiar, spirit. Olivia, does that sound like a familiar or what?
2: Well, yeah, I guess.
1: But a familiar is not. It comes from. Is an out. It's a pre-existing entity, right? That you connect yeah. with.
2: I think normally, yeah, it's like, uh, well, I, well, no, I guess it depends. Cause didn't they? What did they say back in like the witch trials? It, they
1: well, those <sighs> are agents of the devil. The familiar, I think, is an agent right. of the devil. So I guess that, so is an, that
2: It, it is a
0: ex like an outside force, but I think it's cause your contract, you get it. In Dungeons and Dragons, and it is its own thing as well. Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. Cause okay, well and the way that they kind of like you summon it and then it like does its job and then it goes away.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: That's the yep. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but there. in the chaos magic realm, it, it, you could either be like a golem that you create, or it could be, I guess, like a familiar that you find and connect with.
0: Hmm.
1: You have a couple options. The magician concentrates will and perception to lend life force to the being, whether created or pre-existing, and this binds the creature to the magician for its duration of service. The magician's will, uh, in Carroll's own words, is not willpower, virility, obstinacy, or hardness. Rather, it is unity of desire. So you want to have this concentrated unity of being. You don't want your being to be casting off in different directions. You don't want to have this sort of paradoxical inner fight over your desire, inner war. You want to be fully committed to getting that desire. After the entity has served its purpose, the familiar spirit or whatever you want to call it, uh, it must be banished or exercised in a ritual fashion proportionate to the ritual that brought it into being. So if you're going to go through a whole thing and have a ritual bath and, you know, set your roof on fire. You're going to have to, you know, rebuild that roof and uh, drain the bath. I don't know. You got to do a whole thing. It's got to be proportionate.
0: Oh, so that, that's how you get rid of the familiar? So you do this like crazy ritual and then you basically have to do the thing in reverse in order to get rid of it?
1: Well, I mean, I'm making that up a little bit. You have to do a thing that's as big as the thing that you did to get it into the world.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. You can't just
1: do a little thing and piddle it off. It has to be of the same size.
0: Okay. That makes sense.
1: Evocation can be achieved by supplication and prayer done to exhaustion, a rite of terror apparently created by Catholic priests performed in a cemetery or an orgasm. So these are your options to evoke a thing. You can either pray until you pass out, mm-hmm. get some Catholic priests, head to the cemetery, do a thing. That's my personal preference if I have to get something done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or you can have an orgasm. Also fun, though. Don't get me wrong. But if I have the option of doing chaos magic by calling some Catholic priests, I'm going to go for that one.
2: That does seem pretty metal.
1: Yeah. Hey, Father so-and-so, uh, so I'm doing chaos magic in the cemetery. And he's like, I <laughs>
2: thought you'd never ask. <laughs> been waiting here. No one asks the Catholic <laughs> priests to come do chaos magic in the cemetery with them anymore.
1: Can you bring a couple friends, though? Because I actually need a few of you guys. <laughs>
2: He's, what do they do? They're all there waiting. They've been waiting for this. <laughs>
0: what do they do in the cemetery? Oh, don't
2: they? Hang on. I, don't I think that's but... the real question, Spanna.
1: The rite of terror. So yeah, this is based on uh, something that well... some Catholic priests did in the cemetery. Right. <clears throat> Sexual fluids or blood, preferably one's own, can imbue a sigil or talisman with power. Carol says, in works of invocation, nothing succeeds like excess, so you can't do too much. You can't have enough priests. Friends, if you're getting this done in the cemetery, can't have enough gravestones. Go big or go home. Sherwin believes that evocation is also necessary to purge demons, which aren't actual independent supernatural entities in the tradition of our evil spirit series, but rather indwelling aspects of the magician's own subconscious. For the magician... The easiest way to become acquainted with, and to destroy the subtle tricks of the mind which prevent him from working to capacity, is to personify them as demons, each with its own name and sigil. Each magician must write his own grimoire, his book of results. Using demons borrowed from mythology is not effective. The Book of Results is a kind of journal kept by the magician. In it, they record not only the personal demons they seek to purge, but an oath they make to themselves. The magician begins the personal transformation identified in the book with a seven-day retreat. By identifying faults as entities outside of the magician's own ego, Sherwin's ritual sidesteps the ego's commitment to hold on to these demons and makes it easier for the magician to eliminate them. So you can't just say, I have this fault or that fault. You know, I, I play games too late at night or I smoke too many <laughs> cigarettes or whatever. You have to personify them. You have to give, make them an actual demon, the demon of late night gaming. And then you have to exercise that thing.
0: That sounds kind of scary.
1: <laughs> it's, it does sound a little frightening.
0: If I had to picture that, I'd picture a giant video game controller. <laughs> like that would be the demon
1: bashing you over right, i'll
0: exercise it tonight yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you'll and then you will promptly quit gaming at 11 o'clock every night
0: okay <laughs> you banish that demon that's fair. 11 o'clock still seems pretty late
1: oh does it okay 10
0: yep that works
1: yeah <laughs> In addition to sigils and demons, the chaos magician can create talismans and amulets through what Carol labels as sorcery. So sorcery and chaos magic is the creation of talismans and amulets. It's it's nothing else. Talismans are objects to aid in a particular task and are charged by evocation, which we've gone through. Amulets are semi-sentient and require the evocation of an etheric being. Fetishes are amulets created by a group or tribe and used over a long period. So you can think about, you know, like a, a tribal statue, for example, uh, you know, tribal god statue or something that you pass down from generation to generation would be imbued with an etheric being.
0: So definitely not fetish in the sense that we would know that word. Today. No,
1: no a magical fetish, yeah, rather than, yeah. Got gotcha. you. Anthropological fetish, I guess. Enchantment is done by exposing a victim to direct physical contact with one such object charged to achieve the magician's desire. So you make your amulet, then you stick it in the mail and hope they pick it up. A powerful means of achieving these various magical goals is sex magic. Participants prepare with the death posture laying very still. So first you got a plank on the ground. Then you have to build to orgasm, focus on a subject for inspiration or sigil, abandon it to the subconscious at orgasm then remaining vacuous but alert afterwards period that sounded like i had more but i didn't that's all i have to say on that
0: (laughs) yeah you really built that up (laughs)
1: Well, isn't it enough though so you you build to your orgasm while laying still on the ground which sounds difficult actually
0: (laughs) so are you not allowed to like touch yourself or like I mean, I mean, you have you to. Things? yeah, I was about to How say. How f- else are you? But but then you're not still.
1: You gotta stay. You could. T- yeah, I guess you can do it, but you gotta be real.
2: <laughs> How do I rigor mortis and also <laughs> masturbate? I'm so confused. <laughs> you gotta, that You can bulk. do it a little,
1: but no, keep the movement to a minimum.
2: Because you're dead.
1: <laughs> or some, well, yes, you're doing the. Because you're trying planetaris. to be a yeah, you're uniting death and, and sex there. All right. Uh, there's also for a, pro- a process for sexual exhaustion, which was suggested by Aleister Crowley, uh, who is, by the way, all over Carol's book, but, so sad for Crowley, never directly cited.
2: He just is one of those historical
0: figures.
1: <laughs> Don't need to
3: cite him anymore. We just assume he's there.
0: <laughs>
3: exhaustion of desire is a magical process which works on the principle that wished-for events so often seem to occur after we had forgotten about them consciously.
1: The rise of chaos magic is a very early sign of the coming eon. Like Blavatsky, Carol is concerned with the progress of a series of ages. Carol perceives the world as moving through a sequence of five eons. At number five, we get from the Discordians, right?
2: Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: The first was the age of shamanism and magic. The second, paganism. The third, monotheism. And the fourth and current age is atheism. But wait, there's more, because the fifth eon represents a return to the consciousness of the first eon, but in a higher form. So I mentioned shamanism just a second with the animal spirit a bit ago, and uh, Carol believes that we're heading back to a revival of shamanism, but in this elevated I guess post modern technologi- you know, technological society space. Mm. I feel like That's historically that
2: makes sense, like what they said, like the five. It's
1: conceivable. There's well, a lot I of mean, like vaguely. Revival.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, well, I just mean a, all of it, like even. Oh yeah. Starting oh, with yeah. shamanism, moving to paganism, like historically, that like <laughs> kind of matches up. It's a up. pretty good
1: progression, and I think there's something to be said that we're in a return to shamanism moment. I mean, you think about New Joe Age-y. Rogan and his obsession with psilocybin and. Yeah,
2: know, I did a whole episode on <laughs> DMT yeah, right? and yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's the a lot of people are talking in shamanic terms, and I personally would say that a lot of what the shaman was doing, moving into altered states and stuff, is part of this, you know, what we've been talking about, the subconscious connection between chaos magic and early occult, you know, early modern occultism, the mesmerists mm. of the 18th century and the spiritualist mediums. All this can also be traced back to the shaman. So mm. I, I do think there's a revival of shamanic practice. Chaos philosophy will dominate in this fifth eon, and psychic powers will be looked to in order to solve our problems, but as many of us, at least in America, have begun to suspect, we are headed for dark times first.
3: In the end, no level of persecution could stave off the inevitable ascendancy of atheism. Now it is the atheist superstates which are supplying the arms and dropping the bombs in support of the hegemony of consumer capitalism or consumer communism. And this is only the beginning. The blind logic of technology and consumerism will cause alienation, disaffection, greed, and identity crisis to rise to such a catastrophic level that the situation may explode into a very destructive war.
1: Let's do a little Rob's take here, getting to the end of things. Liber Null ends with a strange statement on the magician's ability to manage their own reincarnation and ensure that they continue on... Uh, in their magical development and contribution to humanity. Several rites that Carol describes that uh, are curious. In the red rite, the magician impregnates a young woman with whom he has cultivated a love connection and then kills himself during the first two months of her pregnancy, thereby incarnating in the fetus in her womb.
0: If that's not your cup of tea, you can go with...
1: That's pretty. So, but you could do the black rite if you're not feeling that one. The magician forces their spirit into another's body or possibly cohabitates with the inhabiting spirit.
2: Here.
1: A little like being John Malkovich, I guess. Scary. Finally, in the white rite your last option the magician concentrates on a sigil which fellow magicians use to identify them once they have reincarnated or which will allow them to remember their past when the sigil is happened across in the normal course of their life
2: but what about if it's a woman do you know what i mean like a with a woman oh, have then you're, to... you're, yeah,
1: you're not going to work out that red right i think if you're a lady
2: So you automatically just can't do that one, I guess.
1: I'll be honest. I mean, Carol's writing has a kind of like masculinist bent to it. So yeah, Mm. yeah. but you can still do the black right and the white right. I'm sure that ladies, we can conceive of a way of you to handle that red right. We'll we'll get on that. Let's meditate on that. I'm just
2: trying to make it progressive. You know, we got to keep up with the times.
1: We'll come up with the feminist version of the red right. Well, we'll start thinking about this.
2: Oh, sick. Okay. Anyway,
1: (laughs) it's our project for after we're done recording. (laughs) So <laughs> the reason I bring these rituals up, because they're kind of crazy, but also because they help throw the fundamental logical paradox of black chaos magic into stark relief. While chaos, well, Carol in Chaos speaks about the dissolution of ego in arguments about the arbitrary nature of our personality and uniting Kyo with chaos, sort of like Atman and Brahman in a Hindu context, mm. so much of chaos magic is about self-expression. In the case of these reincarnation rites, the magician is clinging not only to a Blavatskyan soul, but a literal personality, complete with the memories of your previous life or lives. Imagine this, right? Like you're just walking down the street and suddenly you see this symbol and you remember (laughs) your past life. Absolutely. That would be pretty
0: wild. That would be pretty wild. That's like worst nightmare situation for me.
1: Could happen to any of us at any moment.
2: I feel
0: like it wouldn't be that bad. (laughs) Or maybe um, i don't
1: know Olivia's is that not with it savannah is okay with it sure If
2: reincarnation exists i do not need to know about it and like, <laughs> like i i don't know i don't need to be aware of it while i'm on this earth like if i'm aware of it when i'm a soul doing whatever the f- fine but when i get back to this earth it better you want to forget be. it again i need to not know <laughs> for my own sanity i cannot know that
1: For me, this inconsistency can't function as an argument against the coherence of chaos magic because Carol actually embraces self-contradiction as the key to personal liberation. Mm. The system is self-contradictory while embracing self-contradiction. This is how Carol can claim that white magic with its focus on transcending the ego and achieving unity and black magic with its focus on empowering the ego are actually two sides of the same coin. For Carol, They are, insofar as we are all operating according to inseparable dualities all the time. Here, Carroll is drawing on, at the time, cutting-edge continental philosophy. In his critique of language, Jacques Derrida argued that words stand between humans and their experience of reality. You two will begin to have flashbacks to class. We process every moment of our lives by labeling, so that we're always living in a moment removed from the live encounter. These words are a closed system based on binary oppositions. We can't understand evil without good, black without white, up without down. And any attempt to define is trapped in an endless trail of what Derrida calls difference, words that define words, that define words, never arriving at any final understanding as we slip away through the pages of the dictionary. Imagine like you're approaching this, all this whole word thing for the first time. You go to the dictionary and you look something up. We got to look up every word in that definition. But that will just lead you to other words. So you're always trapped inside the system. It's a self-enclosed system. This fluid, closed, self-defining, mostly imaginary world of language is the inspiration for Carol's chaos magic. Once we recognize the degree to which we have imagined our lives, insofar as we've created it through language, we can begin to break away from all that we've imagined to discover not only freedom from the system, but a magical ability to manipulate it according to our will whew, that's, that's that's Liber Null and uh, Book of Results, guys.
2: Well, That um, was a lot to take in, yeah. to think about.
1: Big package there. Big package to bring home.
0: Mm. I'm still confused by the fact that, like, they're saying that do chaos magic for the love of the ritual, and yet the rituals, you do them in order to get something.
1: Like, yes. You have to forget I, that you want anything, though, to get it.
0: Yeah, I think that is. But but you go into it wanting something.
1: Technically, it, that's the starting place. I mean, for some rituals, so, yeah.
0: Mm, okay. It just feels very contradictory to me, but I th- I think that's the that, rub. Is that the point? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's this that's the trick to chaos magic is that it is a, <clears throat> a kind of paradox, contradiction. And in the paradox, you achieve these results, but only after you've stopped caring or wanting them. But so then so you to an go extent. go
0: into it wanting it. It's like well, ah. You, yeah,
1: know. but to an extent you sort of overcome that desire through the okay. ritual. So what you really want to do is the ritual. I mean, you have to desire the ritual first and foremost.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right, that makes okay, that makes a little bit more sense to me. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can almost make the comparison with the podcast, I mean, because I did that earlier. It's it's sort of like, you know, we go into the podcast Because we want an audience, right? Like we want to talk to people. We want to build a community, you know, and and we care about having an audience. But when we get into making an episode, we sort of have to stop caring about that and just speak Mm -hmm. to people and, you know, explore the topic out of love for the topic and and, and be present, right? And not worried about what people will think about us too much as we're doing it and be honest, right? We have to
2: kind of put our ego aside to in order to do it so it is kind of like yeah
1: so the ego kind of like launches us into the project of podcasting Mm, because we want to get this audience and we want to create this product and we want to be proud of it but then once we're actually doing it the ego's got to take a back seat so that we can be honest and you know tell the story the way it needs to be told and, and you guys can be real with uh be yourselves right and and not worry about being judged because if you start to worry about all those things it falls apart it's not good anymore yeah. It's it's people are not... just
2: not going to like that it, and I think we had to just right. learn yeah. to get over that. I think it's maybe kind of, in a way, the same <laughs> concept.
1: Got to push past it. You got to push past the ego. So I, I get it. I, I get it. But it is com- it is complicated. I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's a complicated way of thinking this through.
2: If it wasn't, though, it wouldn't be like a spiritual choice. <laughs> oh, right.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not uniquely complicated. I, I don't want to. Yeah, chaos magic is not any more complicated than Buddhism or Hinduism or anything. You know that all of the think about the you know the freaking Trinity and Christianity, thinking these yeah. things through and you know being present for them is a, a kind of complex spiritual exercise for anyone. Let's gong it into the order of confessors, shall we? XX Pyro Girl ninety three XX.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: <laughs> she uh, or they, I should say. Uh, and, and we're actually, I've actually, uh, this morning I figured out this is uh, someone we've been communicating with on Instagram and a delightful person. Aww. We're making pyro girls, uh, work days fly by and keeping it light even when things get dark. Thank is you, pyro welder? girl.
2: Aww.
1: It sounds like,
2: <laughs> what is your job, pyro girl?
1: <laughs> Maybe she sells fireworks. Okay, who knows?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Now That's... we're going to do something. It's possible, right? Okay. We're going to do some little special. I mentioned at the beginning that we had a message from Stephanie A or, or more to get back to on Stephanie, um, who just joined our patron crew. Stephanie sent us this story. So uh, we're going to close with a story today, which I think touches in on some of the things that we talked about in the episode. So Stephanie had been listening to our um, series, uh, the Evil Spirit series, uh, specifically the episode on night terrors, terror that comes in the night and nightmares And uh, she sent us this experience that she had. She said when she was uh, 16 or 17, which was about seven years ago, so she's 23 now, 24, uh, she was living in her parents' home. I had had many paranormal experiences in my life, she said, up until this point, but was able to brush most of them off. One night while sleeping, I suddenly became aware that I was dreaming. I'm not sure what triggered it, but I became very aware of the fact that I was dreaming. I was in a large pure white empty room white floors white walls white ceiling realizing that i was dreaming i decided to take off and try to fly i do this all the time in my dreams you guys do this
0: no i can't listen dream for shit i was about to say i never ever realize that i'm dreaming
1: i do it occasionally and, and i always want to do some method of jumping around or flying or I lifted off the ground, and as soon as I did, the room warped a bit, and I was joined by an old, decrepit, demonic-looking woman. Her face was gray, wrinkled, her eyes and mouth black. She was in a long, white, tattered nightgown. I immediately freaked out and tried to run away from her towards the door. But the room kept stretching and stretching. In my panic, I remembered suddenly again that I was dreaming. With relief, I tried to force myself awake. This, however, turned out to be a mistake. As soon as my eyes flashed open, the woman was hovering over me. Her hand pressed down on my chest. (laughs) Her face inches from mine. I remember her breath hot on my face. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I fought to scream, to twitch my fingers. Eventually, she slowly evaporated. I regained control of my body. I was so panicked and frozen. All I could do was hide under my blankets for a while before finally jumping out of bed and going to sleep in my sister's room. No. Frightening, right? Terrifying. She says, I never told any of my family what happened, uh, and I have developed my spiritual and magical practices a lot over the years. Now we know, and the confessors know. (laughs) Yeah. I realized much later that I am very sensitive to spirit communication, and I'm able to communicate with ancestral spirits and angels, but have luckily never had to deal with such a vivid, terrifying entity since. Well, so that's seven years. That's reassuring. You have this encounter, and
0: yeah, good for you. I hope that you never have to experience something like that again. Yeah, girl, that sucks. I don't know because that is one thing I am very thankful for in my life is that I have never ever experienced um, sleep paralysis. And oh, and knock on wood, I fucking hope I never do. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god.
1: Maybe the spiritual practice helps here. She's probably developing an ability to navigate, you know, and and uh, you can channel that white light and keep yourself clean and and uh, safe. Thank you, Stephanie, for that story. It's an excellent yeah. story, uh, and it really, yeah, the, the, we talked about dream walking a bit today, and and uh, astral projection, and it definitely touches in with uh, with all that. So I really appreciate for
2: that trust in us with it too. Mm-hmm. You haven't told anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Then here we are. Us. Yeah. Thanks for uh, sharing, not just us, but with the whole community. Thank you for letting us share this with everybody. And uh, I want to just make a quick mention of uh, Kevin M. I was having a conversation with uh, just a quick correction, I guess, kind of correction. I sort of offhandedly said that um, Olivia asked if there were still Discordians and uh, what, what, subgeniuses out there. And uh, I said, yeah, that the movements had dissipated and, and not so much. And, and while I think that's true, uh, Kevin M said that there are still folks who identify as subgeniuses um, and I'm sure discordians as well uh, this is true of all movements right you know if we think about the Blavatsky theosophists even in the 19th century or the spiritualists there was a time when they were you know had their at the height of their popularity but that doesn't mean that after that period they're not there anymore it just means that they sort of diminish and linger on as a tradition uh, that continues to have members and attract members but just doesn't get the public attention that it had in its heyday Hmm. Hmm. And Olivia, you had a message, right? From uh from our friend Luxa Strato over at yeah. the uh, Luxa Cult podcast. Oh
2: shit. I'm I'm pulling it up. I'm getting it here. It's here. She's here. Okay. Um so yeah. I I guess um I vaguely remember this, but I guess on the Discordians episode we were asking about the seasons and um days of the week. Um, oh. so Luxa went ahead and sent it that information. Very to cool. Me. Um, So the seasons are as follows. One, chaos. Two, Mm -hmm. discord. Three, confusion. Four, (laughs) bureaucracy. Oh, no. And and five, (laughs) aftermath. That's my favorite.
1: uh, The the aftermath. We're living in the aftermath.
2: Mm -hmm. The days of the week are one, sweet morn. Sweet morn. Two is boom time. Boom time? Yep. Um, Three, is pungent day
1: pungent pungent day Pungin?
2: yes and then four prickle 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 and five <laughs> is setting orange
1: oh that's my favorite
2: oh that Hail sounds Eris, pretty all hail discordia <laughs> so that was from luxa oh,
1: lovely luxa thank you very much bring us on home olivia
2: i hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors till such a time as we get together and do it again
1: We want to thank Sean Priest and Andrew Mims for their excellent work on Voices today, giving us Sherman and Carol. Joining me at the mic, we have Olivia Literal, Grandmaster of the Order.
2: That
0: is me.
1: Sister of the 84th degree and mechanical bird enthusiast, Savannah (laughs) Barrett.
0: Goodbye, everybody.
1: Didn't actually talk about mechanical birds much today, did we? (laughs)
0: You know, they don't need to be brought up every time it gets old, it gets old after a while. (laughs) We're talking about magic, not mechanics. That's true, no technology. (laughs) So,
1: um, I want to make mention of our next topic, uh, which is something uh, Kevin M actually was talking to, is looking forward to uh, the Temple of Psychic Youth. Yes, T O P Y. So We'll be doing that on our next episode, and then we've got one more in the Chaos series before we get on to our next year of podcasting. So we look forward to uh, speaking with you next time here on A Call Confessions.
0: Bye. Bye! Goodbye!
1: To borrow from Blavatsky, the soul must be developed through... Oh, boy, Corinne is pissed. She's Uh-oh. going to the park to see a little friend.
0: She do want to go?
1: I'm sure she does, but she's pissed about something.
2: <laughs> Amen, girl. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, where were we?